This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Societal norms tend to dictate a reliance on the rational mind for life decisions. But we must work hard to avoid this in order to connect with our higher selves. Turning off the mind's ever-flowing fountain of thoughts will allow the heart and gut to be heard. Once all three brains are connected and allowed to properly function, the seeker will form a conduit to the higher self, opening up to ancient wisdoms, because the very nature of language is that every word loses truth in translation. The only way to sink all three brains is through relaxation and meditation. You are indeed integrating your mind and body, and this will allow you to hear your higher self for the first time. When all three brains are connected, the seeker will open the gate for heart coherence. Heart coherence is when the heart is vibrating and beating in a positive emotion, giving you a sense of well-being and it is the next step towards your heart fire activation. Simply breathe into your heart center and hold love for something like a pet or spouse. This is the one-minute method that is recommended by the Heart Math Institute to achieve heart coherence. A seeker of truth and harmony wants to integrate the gut, heart, and brain because it unlocks sensory inputs that are typically blocked by the rational mind. Unconsciously blocking input from your entire nervous system is a learned skill in the industrious age of production. Industrious production does not want you to truly feel your environment, because this technique of living doesn't conform to the accepted picture of reality. The goal of living using your gut, heart, and brain is to achieve the feeling of Pono, feeling right with self on all levels of life. By integrating the entire nervous system, you will open the gate to heart fire activation and heart coherence, and you will allow the process of opening your heart center to begin. Heart fire activation will also strengthen your spiritual practice by bringing unconditional love and compassion into your life. Remember, unconditional love and compassion are the vibrations and frequencies that manifest your soul's contract. By holding this vibration, you are commanding your dreams and your future. Even right now, your highest potential is right in front of you lingering behind a veil. It is simply vibrating at a higher frequency and to obtain it, all you have to do is match that vibration. When your thoughts and emotions are equal to your highest frequency, you will activate your heart fire and miracles will happen. Valeria interviews Thomas Worm, the author of Awakened by Heart Fire. Wildland Fire Stories, and The Secrets to the Universe. Thomas Worm is a wildland firefighter, author, 
mindset coach, integrative psychology practitioner, fitness trainer, and nutrition specialist. With danger waiting around every corner, his FIRE career guided him to see the true nature of life. Thomas used what he learned on the fire line and applied it to self-help and spiritualism with the powerful intention of helping others be healthy, safe, and happy. Thomas uses neuro-linguistic programming, meditation, and mindset coaching as tools for success in his practice. He studied at the Awakened Academy, Empowerment Partnership, International NLP Center, International Sports Science Association, self-published school, and on the Wildland Fireline in the Western United States. Here is the interview with Thomas Worm. In your own words, who is Thomas Worm? Wow, Thomas Worm, you know, really at the deepest core is a spiritual being, but you know, day-to-day is is a wildland firefighter, uh, author, mindset coach, and really just out here to try and help as many people as possible. That sounds really good to me. Thank you. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Awakened by Heart Fire, Wildland Fire Stories and the Secrets to the Universe, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. And the first one is, what is life to you, Thomas? Oh, that's such a beautiful question. For me, life is about adventure and really finding your own space and ultimately finding what gives you a flow state and what gives you just a place to come back into your body and to feel to feel good. Yeah, that is such an interesting state of being of mine, the feel good that's often confused with pleasure, right? So when you say feel good, do you mean, yeah, talk to me about that. Yeah, so feeling good's really, you know, feeling healthy and safe and being happy inside your own body, inside your own life, right? And and that can be so hard sometimes and, and sometimes that takes work, but that's that's really feeling good to me is feeling that healthy, safe and happy. I like that. What do you think is the opposite of life? The opposite of life. Wow, that's a really interesting question. So, you know, I think the opposite of life is being stuck and spiraling down and getting, you know, stuck in a rut of really hard emotions or vibrations even that really tough negative vibration energy fields that sometimes we encounter with other people or or maybe it's a it's a feeling we get when we're triggered right that that's kind of the opposite of growth i guess i guess if we're not growing then we're not really living Mm, so true so i I have lots of questions for you and that uh, how do we learn to identify those negative patterns and how do we do it and um, when do we do it? And I know that this is what your work is about. Oh, yeah. So I have lots of questions here. <laughs> do you want to say, yeah, you want to add something? Yeah. So, so how we learn to find, you know, what's triggering us, what's that negative emotion? You know, that's really, I think that's key to growing and, and we can go really deep into that. And I don't want to spoil the deeper questions here unless you want me to go, go into that right now. Yeah, I'll ask you later. Let me continue with the warm-up questions. Uh, the next one is about freedom. What does it mean to be free? Freedom is all about being able to express yourself and honor your own, you know, your emotions, your your desires, your your feeling of curiosity, you know, really having that freedom to just go with your curiosity and to express yourself. You know, if that's artistically, if it's you know, being creative some other way, like writing or painting or photography or even just dancing, right? I think it's just the freedom of expression, really. Mm, I love that. And that, in a way, contradicts this idea of the, uh, the negativity, because sometimes we want to control every negative response. But that's part of life, too, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's what's so amazing about these vibrations is or emotions is sometimes 
one of the best things to do is just to actually feel that emotion. You know, if we get angry, maybe screaming in a pillow for 30 <laughs> seconds as loud as yeah. you can, right? Um, really honoring in the, those emotions in the moment, it, it is important. Even when they're negative, we have to not act on them, but to to honor them and process them, right? I like that, Thomas. Yeah, recognizing them and listening to them. Yeah. Right? Understanding the pain. It's very important, right? So at this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? Oh, I love that question. I think, you know, the um, my big vision for the world and what we need right now is I really think coming back to nature and Mother Earth and Father Sky and coming back into into our bodies, really, because we're so focused on technology and in our phone and Facebook and all the other things that are out there that are drawing our attention away from being here right now. You know, with everything going on in the world, I think it's so important just to come back to now and breathe, right? I agree. A hundred percent. A thousand percent. <laughs> yes. And do you think that after this um, moment experience that we are going through, reality will be somehow different or will go back to what it was? You know, I think there's major tragedy happening right now in the world. But I also think this could be the biggest opportunity for everybody to just pause the modern world, to put down their phone, to open a book or to go deep into meditation or walking in nature. And really, you know, I think it's a time of blessing for people to slow down and just be with their families. And I think there is going to be a major awakening to we don't have to live life this way anymore. We can do it mm -hmm. the way we want to. Yeah, yeah, yes, I love that idea, that vision. And uh, my next question is about love. What is love to you? You know, I think uh, love is, there's so many different types of love. And to me, the deepest love possible is really unconditional love from, you know, we're going to get into it in the book, but infinity fire or God or a universal consciousness or however we describe that. But that love that we can find deep in meditation is beyond describable until you feel it. That's that's the core of love for me. So that is not just a feeling. It's well, it's a feeling that comes from experience. Right, Thomas? Yes, yes. It feels um, in that connection state. You know, I really feel like it's a whole body love. That's that's what I like to call it. <laughs> I love that. Um, what is your understanding and idea of peace? Wow, peace. I think I always come back to a lot of uh, Chinese medicine theory, and I do think that yin and yang or yin and yang uh, is so powerful because it's balanced, but it's also changing and dynamic. And I don't think we have to have war to have peace by any means, but I think there's there's a dynamic changing uh, fluctuation of peace and and just like our emotions sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad but we have to have both right yeah the balance right that's interesting that you connected peace to balance i agree um what where and who is god to you you know so i had this uh major awakening experience a few years ago and uh yeah, I'll just go into it. So so really, I was in a deep meditation, and I was in a really tough place in life. I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of really hard emotions, and I, I just asked out loud. I asked the universe out loud, can you please open my third eye and show me the universe? And I was totally launched out of my body at this point into an astral projection above the earth, and... Um, I'm going to shorten the story a little bit here, but really I was at this state, I was really confused because I thought I had died at some point, you know, and I actually was drawn towards the sun. And so I kept floating towards the sun out of curiosity and, and the sun, when I went to the center, it connected to these light trails that connected to other suns and other solar systems. And I, I basically traveled through the suns, through our black hole to other black holes to like this major elevation where I was so zoomed out, I saw the entire universe in this meditation. 
And what I noticed was it looked like neurology. It looked like a brain firing. And, and I got that answer of like, there's this consciousness that is so big and so unified and we're all a part of it. We're just one little tiny shard of this major consciousness. And that's God to me. That's amazing. An amazing experience to have. I have heard similar experiences. It's interesting how this understanding of what life really is, it comes in different ways, yeah, from different experiences. In the end, the message is the same, that everything's connected and it's infinite. Right. Yeah, so infinite. And I have a few more questions for you. Do you see a difference between spirituality and religion? Yes, you know, I think at the base of religion is spirituality. And I, and I do think at times there's maybe some motives or agendas maybe in parts of religion that, that affect the spiritualities, I think, the, the way I'll say that. And, and not that religion is important for people, and I, and I want to honor that, but I think spirituality is, is more at the core. Uh, because it's personal, from personal experience, yeah, like we just talked now. You having that experience, I having different ones, and I hear so many different experiences, and in the end, it's the same thing, the same message of love. And my final question, what do you think is the purpose of life? Why are we here? So, you know, this comes back to uh, somebody that's really influenced me, and, and that is uh, Michael Newton's work and his hypnotherapy with his live, lives between lives kind of work. And through these deep regressions, uh, his, his patients would report, so many people would report, you know, thousands of patients would talk about, you know, between death and birth, there's this time where they go in front of this council and this council asks them, like, what do you want? What do you want in the next life? And they they literally go through and they choose the exact life they want, you know, the the burdens, the tragedies, the emotional states. They choose everything. And and then they they choose to go into that life and experience all that. And and that really resonates with me. And, you know, maybe our minds just make that up through hypnosis, and that's okay. Um, but for me, the purpose is growing and learning and and I think like really learning to deal with our emotional state and to learn how to love more. Oh, wow. I'm wondering what that would look like if all of us reached that state of growth, of knowing. Do you have that vision? Can you see that happening? You know, it's really interesting because of a lot of the intention experiments, especially that are going on right now. And I, I do believe the collective intention, uh, you know, mass meditations, things like this, they do affect reality. And I, I do believe uh, that if there is more consciousness at that level of just wanting to learn how to love more, that that I think our world would be different. And, you know, you can go deep into quantum mechanics, into Dr. Emoto, and so many people out there that are proving, you know, these things with science that our, our vibration does affect our reality, right? Right, right. And also in the end might be just the uh, individual experience, each one of us. I don't think is the same, so we all experience reality differently. So in a way, it might be just ultimately to be happy and be at peace and enjoy this. It's such an amazing, yeah, I don't even know the name for it. <laughs> an amazing something. <laughs> uh, it's fun. So let's talk about your work. How did you become a writer? Yes, so this is really interesting because I was uh, I was at home. I was uh, going through this identity crisis, you know, like that spiritual experience we talked about earlier. I really had this this slow identity crisis starting to form, or a shamanic death, some people might say. And actually, at the time, I was I I had this really bad flu. I was in a bad fever, and I couldn't sleep, and I was just so sick. And so I went out to my couch to try and get some sleep and put on some meditation music and really focus on healing my body. And, and deep in that meditation, I just, I fell asleep maybe a couple hours and I just rose up out of bed and, and, or out of the couch really. And there was this thought voice. It was like, you're going to write a book. And it was just so powerful. It was so overwhelming. I was like, okay, I guess I have to write a book. And right then and there, I just I grabbed my journal and started scribbling and drawing pictures and 
ever since then, I've just, I've been writing like crazy. And how did you choose to become a firefighter? Why did you choose that? Oh, yeah. So basically, I'm a a third generation wildland firefighter. And so my grandpa did the fire lookouts during World War II before he went to the war. Uh, My father was in wildland fire in in California and, and did that for about 17 years. And, and his stories growing up really captured my attention, like the the adrenaline, the adventure, the, the danger. It's just so interesting. And so around the age 15, I really decided that's what I want to do with my career. And, and that's what I did. I made that happen. It took a lot of work. You know, by the time I was 19, I was on my first fire crew and going at it. So that was the, the inspiration was your, um, your family members, right? Yes. And uh, what was the uh, intention of writing your book, Awakened by Heart Fire? Yeah, so the intention is to really, so out there on the fire line, I started to discover that I was doing these things with my intuition that was so interesting. And I think I was fighting fire in such a different way than people. And here's an example. I would I would go up to a tree, you know, and sometimes I have to cut trees that are on fire and they're really dangerous and it's really scary. And it's, you know, I'm standing there with my chainsaw and it's just raining embers on me. And I'm thinking, is this tree going to kill me or not? And it would take me a second to take a breath, look inside my heart, really feel my gut instinct and hear that voice of like, yes, this is safe enough or no, you should, you know, take a different path. Right. And and that's such a beautiful metaphor of life. And I thought, I can apply this to everybody. Like, how can I break that down to a step-by-step process to help people really connect with their heart? And the heart fire is very important to me because my healing journey uh, through uh, one of the biggest things that happened to me in life was one of my best friends passed away suddenly and it just destroyed me. And after that, I had this anxiety and this uh, really hard, there's so much anxiety that I had ailments inside my body, right? And when I got treatment for this through Chinese medicine, it was a heart fire ailment. And so that was like the, the seed of the book was I overcome this ailment and I created an opportunity out of it. That's a wonderful thing to do. It's uh, They call it transmuting energies and creating from whatever we have. That's really a wonderful thing when we can do that. Create something beautiful from something that it's not so beautiful <laughs> or that's painful. When you say the heart, and um, you also mentioned the words, uh, the word now, intuition. In your book, you, you talk about higher self and infinite fire. They all related to one thing. So there's your heart fire, which is like your soul. It's inside your heart or your chest. And maybe it's totally different for other people. This is just my own representation in my own body. But the heart fire is really like that shard of consciousness, that super consciousness that we're talking about. And the higher self is like your highest potential maxed out to the most beautiful, happiest, healthiest person you could ever be. That's your highest self. It's possible. It's there. It's it's just like a vibrational shift, right? And then there's the infinity fire, which is that super massive, infinite like consciousness that is it's so hard to explain. It's it your words become lost, right? And it's just like that neurology that I was talking about, that universal consciousness, God uh, is a great word for that, you know, a, a non-religious context of God. Yeah, yeah. When you say infinite, yeah, that kind of um, triggers the mind to think about God, right? Consciousness. Did anything change, like your life change in any way in the process of writing your book? Yes, definitely. And and this book particularly was so hard to write because I had to you know, in the book, there's a technique I called heart fire embrace. And that's really taking ownership of, of all the things that we've done in our lives, you know, the people we've hurt or the things we could have done better, but it's also the hardest part. And what I found so hard was taking ownership of your greatness, of your awesomeness, of how just beautiful and perfect you are. And, and really owning that is, it's hard not to feel egotistical or, or self-centered, but it's, it's so important to, 
you know, just embrace it. And that was a really hard journey for me because I think I've always, you know, had that maybe self-confidence in the background talking to me. And and I overcame that through writing this book. And as well as I really feel like I integrated so much of my spiritual and healing journeys through writing. And, and I, yeah, and it, it was a very healing process for myself. Wow, writing. Do you wonder why writing is so healing? There's something magical about writing. Yes, you know, I do think, especially in the shamanic traditions, you know, writing is so powerful because you're really, you're speaking to spirits, you're speaking to the other side, but it's when it's written in word, it's really, really powerful. Like there's some serious weight to those words and, and uh, you know, our words, they really do matter. That might be it. Like when we see on paper that has this, uh, we realize it's just not something abstract. That's actually real. The communication with what we call spirit or the uh, the higher ground and the higher self. It's something that's real. That might be the reason why yeah, we feel so empowered by these uh, thoughts when they become words. Um, yeah. So talk to me about the triangle of self-love. I love that because I love the number three and I love the idea of self-love. <laughs> yeah, so so the triangle of self-love is really finding nourishment or finding what fills your cup, right? But for your mind, body, and spirit. So, you know, sometimes we gotta we gotta learn something new or or you know, doing a Sudoku or whatever it is to really nourish that mind. Uh, and also nourish our body, which is, you know, our food, our nutrition, our hydration, but it's also our emotional states, uh, also who our relationships are with, right? Um, you know, maybe taking time to get a massage or go to the spa, like really nourishing your body and spirit nourishment and spiritual awareness is is really about uh, really connecting to that infinity fire, as I call it in the book, or God, right? Having some sort of communion with that spiritual side. And and when you put all three of those together, it becomes this triangle of self-love that is so powerful. It, it, it just changes your whole life. Yeah. And it, there's no way you wouldn't anyway, because it's so powerful, these practices. I love the way you say in your book, you say, no one else is responsible for what you allow into your inner structure. And that is so true because most often you see people blaming others in the world for, do you consider blaming to be a negative emotion? You know, I don't think it's negative. It is a, I would consider it a distraction of really, you know, when we see things outside of ourselves that triggers us, you know, I think it's something that we're working on inside ourselves and that we don't want to admit. We don't want to talk about yet. We're not ready to honor or process that something that's inside of us that we're seeing, right? And I and I think that's where the blame comes in. They're blaming that person for triggering them, but, you know, it's really themselves being triggered. That's interesting that um, some people are not ready. Do you know why some people are not ready to uh, improve their lives? You know, that's a beautiful question because the the behavioral change science and, and that whole realm is is really interesting. And, and to me, it comes down to limiting beliefs and especially with the, the breakthrough sessions and the mental emotional release stuff that I do with clients is that the limiting beliefs, you know, they can be I'm not good enough or I'm too poor or my family did this or this happened to me and so I can't do that. So I can't do this. And maybe there's a limiting belief holding them back from truly being able to change themselves, you know, so they, they, they try so hard, they're almost, you know, changing, maybe losing weight, and then they get knocked off course and start eating bad again, right? Just a, a, an example here. And sometimes it's self-sabotage, but they don't even know it. And it's because it's at the deepest subconscious level. And that's where a lot of the real change work has to happen sometimes. Uh, so, yeah, people need to go through all the work um, first, the inner work. Yeah, you actually mentioned here some specific therapies, mental emotional release, MER, also known as timeline therapy. This is the one that you found to be the most effective, Thomas. 
Yes. Uh, so everything that I've studied so far and all the things I've looked at spiritually and through science and and just my experience as a coach, uh, the mental emotional release is the most profound. And what that is, is that you it's almost like a guided meditation or maybe hypnosis type feeling, but you're really the client guides you because they're going on their own journey. And what happens is they go they release the you know, main five negative emotions. So anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and shame. And so we take them back through their timeline and they're floating back through their timeline to the first event where they felt anger, the very first time they felt anger in their life. And they actually release that. They truly release that anger and then they come back to their timeline as they're floating back into now, they're releasing anger throughout the entirety of their life. And so when they come back, they have almost, they have no anger that's built up, right? They can still feel angry if something happens and that's normal, but it, there's no anger that's deep-seated stuck inside their body anymore. And so we go through that for all five emotions and maybe something that's really specific you know, being worthy or something like that, as well as we do that for limiting beliefs. So I'm not good enough. They'll go to the first time that they decided to make that belief and they'll release it. That sounds really good to me. So going back to the, to the topic of self-love, I have a question for you. How do we know when we are there, when we are finally loving ourselves? Yeah, so when the way we know when we're loving ourselves is that we make the choices that make us feel good or, you know, healthy and safe and happy. And so when we're choosing those things, we're choosing to nourish ourselves over something that doesn't nourish ourselves. You know, one of the greatest books, I, I just love the way he phrased it is, you know, are you rowing your boat faster or are you slowing down, you know? And and I think that's just a great frame for that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually easy to know you right in a way but then we have to have that reference somehow because um, a lot of people they confuse self-care with self-love and I think they're different it seems like self-care is a component of self-love do you believe in unconditional self-love yes and I do believe in that I believe it's possible and it's that is something I think is at kind of the highest level of self-love. And that is, it takes a lifetime to get there, I think, because we're so hard on ourselves. We have that, you know, I think so many people have that inner critic that really does, you know, work against them sometimes. And that's that's what we got to overcome to really find that self-unconditional love. You believe that this is a work for a lifetime. So it, it's a practice, a constant practice. And one remembrance, right? It's yeah. just remembering. Yes. Yeah, I like that. And um, purifying the section that you have, purifying the mind, body, spirit begins with changing the three diets. You call them diets, the diet of the mind, and then the diet of the body, and then the spiritual diet. Talk to me about each one of them, like the suggestions, because I have them in front of me here. You give so many useful suggestions. Yeah, so, so you know, purifying your mind really one of the first things we talk about is using affirmations. And and like we said before, our words do matter. So when we have that negative self-talk, we can change it to something positive. And that's really the first step, right? And then uh, as well as, you know, changing what your intake is of your media, of the books you're reading, of the relationships, you know, of really like what's carrying that negative energy and let's let's replace that with something positive as well uh as well as you know meditation is just it's gonna totally change your physiology it's gonna change your mindset so much you know and i think uh really understanding like the information you know going back to the media stuff is like that information streaming in is you're letting that stuff come inside like your inner structure right you're letting it come into your to your mind body and spirit and it does have an effect so that's that's really how to purify your mind is like those are the first steps uh will you know the 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 last stage of that is maybe trying a digital detox and really going into nature for you know 21 days of just nature right i love that idea absolutely love that i have a question for you about uh, purifying the mind you talked about relationships 
so with family members, um, friends, and close, rela intimate relationships as well. I think you're including all of them here, right, Thomas? Yes, and and so those relationships are, you know, we love our family, we love our friends, but sometimes those relationships don't serve us and in the highest way possible. And so it's really hard to to say it out loud sometimes, but there is a place to release those people that are really close to you and, and let them have their own life and let you have your, your life. Right. And that's really hard, but sometimes that's an important thing to do. Yeah, I agree. That takes courage. Yeah. And that's interesting when, like you call detoxing, when we start detoxing ourselves, we need to let go of yeah, relationships, places. Yeah, that takes a lot of courage. And that's wonderful that you've done that. I've done too myself. So it's really great that we took that chance <laughs> to discover ourselves. Um, you also talk about prescribed fire and a guided meditation for that, right? Talk to me about that. Yes. Yeah, so this meditation is so powerful. I love it so much. And, you know, it really comes from my wildland fire background. But what happens is in this meditation, you know, I take you deep into a, um, you know, I am a hypnosis practitioner. So I take you really deep and you get really relaxed and basically you go into this forest and you go into this, this really nice, beautiful forest, but there's this deer that you're following and you're, you're trying to catch up to this deer, but it's so hard. And it leads you to this forest that's a little darker, a little thicker. And it's it's the part of your mind that's so stuck with so many thoughts and feelings that it's it's kind of overgrown, right? And so this meditation guides you to start picking up the brush and start piling and start making piles of all the debris and all the overgrowth and put them in all these different, you know, hundreds of thousands of piles, right? And then you start burning those piles and you you burn those piles you know, just like I would as a firefighter, but you're really watching that smoke and that fire just burn away all those unwanted thoughts and feelings and you just let it all go. That is so amazing that because your profession as a firefighter gave you the opportunity to make this connection because it's very much true. When we have negative emotions, it feels like it's burning. It's a fire within and the body can be felt. So that is a very interesting um, relationship that you have created. Fire meditation, the prescribed fire and this idea of burning emotions that don't serve us anymore. Do you want to add anything else about the, the diet of the mind, Thomas? You know, I, I think we hit the diet of the mind really well. And uh, yeah. And then so the diet of the body, to me, it sounds like common sense, breathing water and all that. But it's not <laughs> like people say common sense is not that common. But talk to me about your ideas for a healthy body. Yeah. So the first piece is focusing, you know, in the order of breath, water, food, sleep, exercise, and love. So all those are so foundational that we have to have all of those to really have a strong, healthy body. And then really I go deep into the heart diet, which is, you know, eating foods that are hydrating, holistic, and healthy. Um, and then also eating foods that are energetic and enjoyable uh, abundant in nutrition, you know, taking time to read your body and listen to it. And I think that's one of the most foundational things because there's, there's so many diets out there, you know, there's gluten-free, there's vegan, there's, you know, a million different diets, but the only diet that's good is the one that fits your body, right? And we have to listen to that. And the other piece of it too, that I think so different from any other food nutritional advice is thanking your food and praying with your food in and I really take that from Dr. Emoto's work and his work with water crystals and intentions, you know, love and gratitude. And and you really are changing the molecular structure of your food that way. And you're nourishing your body in a totally different way when we work with our, you know, food and water that way. Yeah. And that's so true. I love the way you begin with the breath, breathing, because we often forget to breathe. What are the most useful practices, breathing practices we can engage in on a daily basis? Yes. Yeah, so my favorite breathing technique is ha breathing. And, and what that is, 
you're breathing deep into your belly and deep into your chest and deep into your shoulder. So it's kind of a three-part breath. So it's very similar to a yogic breath, but you're breathing as deep as possibly can. And then on your breath out, you're actually letting out a sound like a ha, like a ha sound. And you're letting that breath out as long as you possibly can. And what this does is it's very similar to to counting down, right? You're counting down that you're breathing out as long as you possibly can. And, and we do this for about 30 times, that longer breath actually signals your body to slow down, to lower your heart rate, to lower your blood pressure, to your whole physiology will completely change in 30 breaths. And that, that's my favorite. That makes so much sense. I practice them and it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Right. So true. Um, I see you have a meditation, guided meditation for this section too, called Golden Fire with Our Flame. Do you have the link for that? Would that be your website or? Uh, there is a specific link for all these meditations and all the listeners are more than welcome. You know, you can have the link for the show notes and they can access all the meditations and 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 really the meditations are, are to be done in a sequence and to build upon each other. Uh, but the, the, the golden fire without a flame is really bringing in that infinity fire into your body, bring that unconditional love. That's so powerful. It burns away everything negative. That's, that's kind of the, the idea behind that meditation. And it is, it is probably the most powerful meditation in the, in the series, I think. I'll try that one later. <laughs> Um, so the last one is the last component of the triangle of self-love is the spiritual diet. So here you talk about devotion to unconditional love and compassion. I have asked this question a lot and I ask a lot of my guests about loving ourselves unconditionally so we can love others. And one of these days I got a different answer from somebody who, she was a mother, I think, and she said that she learned to love herself unconditionally because she loved her husband and her kids unconditionally first. So it was like the reverse, and I was just wondering if that's possible. That's really interesting, you know, learning to love others before yourself, and I think that is really majority of people's experiences is they they love everybody around them but themselves and they take care of everybody else but themselves and and uh, it takes a long time to come back to themselves and to actually love themselves and I do think it's it's possible to do that first but most often than not it takes that backwards route to get there and and you know for me the unconditional love there's just so much power within the infinity fire and that God piece of just letting that in and just being with that infinity in that moment. Yeah. And it's all about accessing that unconditional love has a lot to do with yeah, this moment now, which is so challenging to do. And speaking of challenges, what are the most common challenges that we could face when trying these diets. <laughs> I love the way you put this uh, diet, the mind, body, and spirit. Yeah, so the biggest thing is is that the meditations and the ideas in the book are in a series because the most important thing is, is protection and to build a grounding, to ground ourselves in our bodies and to be protected. And, and really when we start doing a lot more intention work in these really deep meditations, you know, there's there's an opening there. If we're not being very intentional, we can open ourselves to not being grounded, to leaving our bodies and to it, nothing can hurt you in these meditations at all, as long as we are protected and grounded. And that's the most important piece. And if we go outside of our bodies, it just takes more work to come back and to be centered and to be grounded again. And that's that's the real danger is how much work do you want to do afterwards, right? And and I can tell you being ungrounded and disassociated is it takes a lot of work to come back from that. And that the key point is to ground and protect. Yeah, the unlearning experience is really, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. So when you talk about detoxifying the heart, is there anything that you didn't mention about this process of detox? So really the the detoxification of the heart is is really part of the the diet of the body but it's it's really 
it goes really deep into the the heart center, the heart piece, the emotions, the vibrations, and how do we actually change that heart center? How do we let go of things? And and there's a lot of techniques in there like Ho'oponopono, which is, I think, the most profound uh, practice from ancient Hawaii. It's just thank you so much, Huna, for that, because it is so powerful to fully forgive others and forgive yourself. And that's true. So my last question is about um, the heart fire method. I know this is the end, in the end of your book, you have the sections, the breathing techniques, uh, protect and ground. And uh, would you like to talk about that for a moment, Thomas? Yes. Yeah, so in, in the end of the book is the heart fire method. And, and really it's all the techniques of what I learned out there on the fire line and that was a big challenge was to really slow that down. And, and like I said earlier, to make this step by step of what was I actually doing on the fire line? Um, and so I took these these steps and, you know, breath work, protection and grounding, you know, doing the heart fire embrace, which is really taking ownership of yourself, um, connecting with that infinity fire, and bringing in that unconditional love. Right. And then this really gives us the chance to have heart clarity and to really have a clear heart. And now we can start sensing danger, you know, maybe mental or emotional or physical danger, uh, spiritual danger. We can start sensing those things and finding nourishment. So not just uh, not just, you know, what we're nourishing our bodies with, but what nourishes our minds and our spirits like finding that really takes your heart. You really got to listen to your heart. Um, And then there's heart confidence, which is starting to put all these tools together into a process. You're starting to build that confidence with these. And and the end state is, is heart certainty. And so you have all these tools together and they're integrated. And so you can apply them to multitudes of situations and different experiences and start creating your own frame of reference for, for the method, right? And so really the end state of all this is that there's there's a short piece of technique in, in written word but really, you got to go to the guided meditations to get the real meat of the technique. And at the very end of it, I, I just hope the reader, the listener can really just be inside their body and at peace. That's wonderful. It's really beautiful. I love the way you talk about the heart, clearing the heart. People use that word too. You use the word protect. Yeah. So it's a protection. So the heart can now protect us. <laughs> we have to protect it. So we will protect us. Would you like to add anything or read a passage from your book before I ask you my final questions? Sure. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I'll, re- I'll read a, a passage here. Okay, so this is chapter 10, Infinity Fire in Action. Owning that you are your highest self right now is the heart fire embrace. When you begin to take true ownership of yourself, the first step is nourishing your body in the following order, breath, water, food, exercise, sleep, and love. When you begin to take control of your basic needs, you can start in on the next layer. The triangle of self-love is supported by nourishment, like we talked about, breath, water, food, etc. Deep love and love for others and all beings and accountability. So nourishment is deep love, accountability are at the foundation of all spiritual work. When you embrace your heart fire, you allow yourself to acknowledge your current disturbances. The lesson behind every struggle is that the uncomfortable obstacle is highlighting that which you need to work on inside yourself. The challenge in front of you is the actual story, but the lesson is the metaphor behind the story. Seeing between the lines in life is where we find beauty, inspiration, personal growth, and compassion for ourselves. I love that that word too, those two words, self-compassion, that self-love, self-compassion, right? Thank you so much, Thomas, um, for the work that you do and how you do it too, the words you choose to use. They're very warm. (laughs) So I have a few more questions. The first one is about lessons learned. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life? You know, the hardest lesson that took the hardest toll on me was to learn to be inside my body. And And I know I've said that terminology a lot in this interview, and that's because it's so dear to me because I was... 
I became so disassociated after my friend's passing and and that was such a hard time in my life and the anxiety and the grief and and just compiled into illness and such a hard time in my life and that really came down to just being inside my body and being okay with right now that was it's a really hard lesson and and I think I'm still integrating that fully yeah don't we all <laughs> what is another word for healing Oh, wow. That's a beautiful question. I think another word for healing is mastery. And because mastery takes really a hero's journey or a long-term process to understand how we can move forward through something or, you know, release an obstacle to create an opportunity. And I think that's how we find healing. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, Would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? You know, there's there's a lot more traveling to be done for me, and I would travel as much as I possibly could to uh, all the other continents I haven't been to yet, and uh, particularly South America's been on the list, and uh, and then India and and Japan are kind of my travel. Yeah, that sounds really good. It's a good question to ask, isn't it, Thomas? Because we never know when that moment will come. Yes, yes, very true. And especially being in the wildland fire community and out there on the fire line, it's it's so apparent that it's this, you know, walking out the door to work every day is sometimes it's humbling because you just don't know. Yeah. My last question, what are three things about life you know for sure as of today? I know for sure that there's an unconditional love that is so powerful that can transform your life. And that unconditional love leads to a compassion that that can change others' lives, that you can, you know, respond with kindness, not just to yourself, but to others. And I know that's possible. And, you know, the last one is that if we just allow the love to be inside us, We're going to be healthy, safe, and happy. Thank you for saying that. Responding with kindness, that we have that choice, and it is possible, right? That's beautiful. Thank you so much for this conversation. It has been peaceful, meaningful, and I love your wisdom, your presence and your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yes, yeah, so you can find me at mountainmindtricks.com and also Thomas M. Worm at Facebook. And, uh, you know, you can find my books on Amazon and they should be in bookstores around the world, uh, but mostly Amazon. And if you get to my website, it will take you to uh, my own podcast, Sacred Ancestry, and uh, my books and all the techniques that I'm talking about and all those things. So, Yep, just go to mountainmindtricks.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Thomas, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Thomas Worm, please visit his website, mountainmindtricks.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.